welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome everyone to the Built on Air podcast. This is episode four of season nine. We're glad you could be here with us. I am Dan Fellers, host and founder of Ontair and OpenSide. With us, we have Ali. Welcome back, Ali. Yay. Good to see you. Glad to have you back. And as always, Camille, glad you are here again with us today. Morning. Good to have everybody back this Tuesday. So we have a good episode for you. Uh, the Built on Air podcast is a weekly live show where we talk about all things Airtable and is part of the Built on Air community. Check us out at builtonair.com slash join to join our community and participate with us. So on this episode, we always do four different segments talking about different things. I'll quickly highlight what we're going to be talking about today. We always start off with around the basis segment where we talk about what's going on in the Airtable world. Then we'll do a spotlight on the onto air suite of tools, which is our primary sponsor. Then Ali's going to walk through the new timeline view and discuss the new updates there. Then Camille will do an Airtable question from the community talking about converting uh, currency to text, then another spotlight from onto air. And then finally, I'll continue our discussion with uh, Automate Create, talking about customer feedback loops. So let's start off with our round the bases where we go through. We always start with the uh, Airtable community. I thought it'd be good to announce kind of a, a public service announcement Jason mentions that there will be downtime on October 15th, which is a Friday, which is, let's see, not this Friday, but next Friday, right? Yep. Special day for anyone here? Yeah, it's my birthday, and I'm right. downright offended that they would do this to me, <laughs> even though it's only for 20 minutes and 10 p.m. my time. Yeah, I think it's in honor of you. So maybe we're going to reply to this response and yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody can wish Camille a happy birthday while Airtable is down since she Don't won't be on Airtable. Hopefully, maybe the community site will be up. If not, our, our Slack community will be up. You can wish her a happy birthday there. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> So plan on that. If you've got automations, make sure you might want to turn them off unless you enjoy getting a bunch of emails. Allie, you said you love getting emails from Zapier when things go down. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But I think I think it was interesting that it's the first, ske <laughs> first scheduled maintenance. They've taken many unscheduled maintenances, <laughs> but the first one since uh, last year of January. So... Uh, that's good. Hopefully we see a boost in, in improvement and, and, and uh, performance. That would be nice. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, end of month. So we always got new um, things to talk about of what they released in September. They've got a new... This was interesting, right? Because this isn't the what's new uh, site base, right? No, it's a different... I'm pretty sure it's a different 
space or a different table. Then the the what's new page um, on Airtable has in it an embedded sort of card view, but it doesn't look like that. So I wonder if they started fresh with a new one. Right. Yeah. Or different teams managing it. Although they are keeping this one semi up to date with not as much detail, but yeah, maybe the... it maybe it's just a filtered. Maybe it's like only yeah. like th this one probably is only the, the top you know, big changes. And then yeah. the one they post in the community might be like every little, every little change that they make. Yeah. So they must have like, yeah, big and small. Cause it looks similar. They've got similar items yeah. there. So, all right. So what, what's new for September that you guys like? Well, we're going to go over timeline. So, yep. 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 That's the big one. So we'll be talking about that. Then the other big one was the automation UI revamp. Mm -hmm. And then I've been gone for a while, so I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet. I just saw that they had uh, the scripting functions available and our new scripting functions available and there's select record async. And that is yep. huge. That is like so helpful. I've been refactoring like tons of scripts because of that. Yep. I think that one might be my favorite. It's just such a nice optimization thing it's it's more optimized for automation scripting than the scripting block but i mean that's where you would want you would want the optimization to be um much more efficient than it was because you, you're not there to like babysit right yeah 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 that's a good one we yeah we did go through that you can check previous episodes if you want to learn more about that we dove into that one uh, smaller ones, so uh, I guess Internet Explorer deprecated 11. Looks like iOS apps updated recently open. Oh, yeah, they changed the base ID, so now all the URLs have the base ID in the URL. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the reasoning behind that was. I think they said it, it makes it easier to troubleshoot. Um, because if you like give someone, you know, a URL to your to a table, it comes with it now the the base ID. So if Airtable support needs to do any kind of like going in and looking at stuff under the hood, they know precisely where it is. Yeah. And I guess if you're doing um, something with scripts where you need to um, uh, sync in between bases where the regular Airtable sync is insufficient, having the base ID inside of the uh, record URL is pretty useful. Interesting. And does that, this is, might be a stupid question, but if you have existing links out in circulation, like do, do those still work? Do they automatically get that added in after you? Yeah. Okay. They, they redirect. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah, and hopefully that continues where it's smart enough to, to do the redirect. Hopefully that's not just temporary. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know if people knew this, but even before they made this change, if you put the app ID in the URL, it knew how to find that base. And then it used to just redirect to the first table. And, but it, it didn't understand that, that app ID in the URL before. Hmm. So that's good. And then GitHub um, looks like external source. Maybe some developers are using that. I use GitHub, but I don't really have a need to bring that info into Airtable, at least not now. So maybe somebody does. So that looks like all the major ones. Uh, Android looks like they updated Android. Um, I think this one... Similar Ooh. to that one. This one might be for apps because they you can do it from scripting and from the app development as well. So that might be associated with the... It looks like it's kind of a duplicate. But Anyway, although I don't believe you can do it on the API. So that's a little misleading. You can't, you can't do this from the API. Yeah, they need to adjust their tags. They have yeah. several different APIs and they should be yeah. specific. <laughs> on the, uh, I guess on the enterprise API, you can. So maybe yeah. that is semi. 
relevant. So, all right. Very good. Moving on. I don't think there's anything much there. Um, oh, yeah. This was just the uh, automation. So, they talk about this, um, that they increased it. I saw interesting feedback. Some people loved it. Some people actually were not fans of the change to the automation. Yeah. I I, I can see why not liking it right now because they didn't add any new functionality. So the number one criticism is you can't see your base data anymore. So if you were, you know, building automations and looking back and forth between what your your tables are and how things are laid out, um, you can't really do that anymore. You have to click back and then look at stuff and go back in. So that's kind of cumbersome. But um, I mean, one could speculate that they gave us more screen real estate in anticipation of other automation enhancements coming down the pipeline. Yep. And when those are in place, then I think it's going to be more positive than negative in the interim when, you know, the only thing that has changed is it's just wider. I could see it being annoying. Yeah. Yeah. If you make it not full screen too, you kind of have to like arrow between each step at the top, which is kind of, I like being able to scroll. It's just, annoying mm -hmm. to have to click again yeah but. yeah i was gonna mention yeah so there is that full screen icon so you can click on that like jordan mentions literally and, uh, never occurred to me <laughs> i mean even if you do do that it's still not ideal like i do like the old editor better i mean i think it helps people to understand what's happening with the automation with the new it's it reminds me more of integromat in a way mm -hmm. like where it kind of maps it out yeah. for you yeah, I, it, I think it'll eventually be a vertical Integromat sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, Integromat is, you know, horizontal with like branching pathways. I think we're probably going to get a vertical branching pathway at some point, but they haven't announced that. That's just my me inferring from why else would they give you so much space? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I doubt they get to the the full-blown UI that, that Integromat has of you know, really getting advanced, but yeah, I think yeah. vertical branching. I don't think you'll necessarily be able to draw, um, draw paths between. I think it'll just be like thinking of, think of an org chart where, yeah. you know, you'll just have things that are like nested. So you, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm anticipating. No clue if that'll ever happen or when. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it looks like kind of what that image is on their sidebar right now on that little screenshot. But um, I was also going to say what it, what would be really cool is if they could have like not even just branching pathway, but just a like filter step, like how Zapier has, like only continue if. Mm -hmm. Like that would be great. Yeah. Part of the new UI, um, you can only have one group of steps, but it sort of groups steps together with the, the three little icons up at the top. I'm anticipating that might include like a condition thing similar to how like the find records is sort of set up. There might be, like you said, um, an option now to only, only do this group if yada, yada, yada. That might be what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Let's move on to Reddit. Um, I had one one item from Reddit that I thought was worth uh, discussing. Discussing, uh, I'm talking about duplicates in the primary key field, you know, and this I've I've seen this come in quite a bit. Um, you kind of get different opinions. People that come from the spreadsheet world, you know, there's no concept of having unique identifiers in your in your primary key. If you're coming from the database world, that is very common that, that your primary key is unique. And so in Airtable, you kind of get this mix where um, it uh, the primary key, and I believe somebody mentions this, yeah, Rucksack, uh, William, uh, talks about how what what Airtable shows as your primary key isn't really the primary key as far as Airtable is concerned, right? So there's the record ID, which is unique in your primary key, and then what you display as your main field, your first column, uh, can does not need to be unique. Any thoughts there on how to deal with the primary key? Well, 
I mean, you could, you could just manually go in and change your primary field into a, a formula and make the formula record ID. Um, there's a there's a formula function to get the record IDs, but yeah, it's something you'd have to do for each of your tables. Yeah, it's not it's not the default. Yeah. Right. And yeah. somebody have, else. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I have a client that does I think exactly what that person is, is suggesting. They use an auto number, so like they have their regular formula field for their um, primary key, and then they just concatenate the auto number onto the end. And like that obviously will work. You'll have no duplicates at all. But I think a lot of people can get confused by looking at the number on the end and just being like, what's this random number for? Mm -hmm. for like, like, why does this have a seven on the end? And it's a task name. I don't know, something like that. But there's a, there's pros and cons. I think if you set up your primary key in such a way, like you can do, you can, you can manage to get it all unique without having to use the record ID. Yeah. Yeah. Or an item number. And you could also use um, the dedupe app to, to help you find duplicates um, in the primary key. Amplify our app also. I can't remember if it's the version that's out or the version that's coming uh, will help you find duplicates. It will signal if, if a record uh, is a duplicate and that's across all fields, not just the primary field. So other ways to, to work around that. <clears throat> and then this one's cool. I don't use the, the rep function too much, but that's a good use case for it so that you've got leading zeros so that you've already always have the same number uh, size item. I think that's the only instance where I've ever used <laughs> the repeat function is to create leading zeros. Cause I mean, or, or if I'm doing, um, a formula field that concatenates a bunch of different fields together and includes like a, you know, how in like certain documents you might have like asterisks, that's like a line break. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of typing out an asterisk 20 times, I would repeat the asterisk 20 times. But it, I think those are the only two times I've ever used the function. I use it a lot for the leading zeros, but I also recently have been using it a lot. I made like a satisfaction bar. So like, I like you get like um say you set it at like 10 and then you round whatever the value of satisfaction is to an integer and then so you can repeat however many like green boxes followed by however many gray boxes for cool. example and it looks really nice yeah yeah i remember i think gally you did a demo of one of your bases that had lots of uh green or black bars or something to yeah Highlight values, yeah. Yeah, that's a good use case. Very cool. All right, let's move on to uh, Facebook community now that Facebook is back up. Um, hopefully the Airtable group there survived yesterday. And uh, one thing, so here's our friend Chris. He was written up in MakerPad, which is a cool community of no-code uh, makers and um, actually was acquired by, by Zapier a month or two ago. And uh, so they wrote up an article on Chris, so I thought that was worth highlighting. Go check that out. Let's see what's next. Looks like it's all Chris today. <laughs> so this is just uh, highlighting the, the view, interest. This is where people were, um, um, no, never mind. That was something different. So we'll get into this. Maybe we'll save the discussion for this on when when Ali uh, discusses this, kind of the pros and cons. And make sure, Ali, you compare it to Gantt, because I think that's a common question that, that people have there. So, uh, OK. OK, so updating multiple records within the automation. Seems like this one comes up quite a bit. Um, what are what are the workarounds if you're trying in an automation to update multiple records? I mean, a script. Um, you could you could well, if technically, if you if you are dealing if you have a table of all of the records 
that you want to update and then some other table. If you update a single record in table two that links to all of the all of the records you want to update in table one, Mm -hmm. you could use that update to the reverse link field to trigger another automation that will run individually if you set the trigger to when record updated and then the link field. Yeah. Then you can update each individual record with something. Um, But that's going to, you know, if you were trying to update 10 records, you you're wasting 11 automation runs, one to link them to something and then 10 to update each one individually. The update record step is singular because it only updates a single record. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have I have a couple use cases like that where I had a client that wanted to send out to each individual person in the database a, a personalized email with like only their records. So we have them all, each person linked to a junction table that's just, or a summary table, just one record. So every person's linked to that. We have one automation that checks a box on the summary record. And then it checks the box on all of the people. So it's like at a particular time, the first one's at a scheduled time, checks the box. And then the other one is an email that's sent out based on that box being checked. And then we have another one that unchecks it. Does that make sense? The other, the other approach you could do if you, if you're not working with linked records is, um, well, well, I guess you'd have to loop through it. Um, I was thinking you could send it to, uh, a webhook and start a new automation off of a webhook, but you would still need to loop through each one to send each one to the webhook. So you'd you'd still probably need a script there as well. So trying to think if there's a way you could do that. I don't think you could to call multiple webhooks without looping through them. So yeah, I guess if you really want to do this, learn a little bit of uh, a little bit of scripting to to be able to to do a quick loop. Um, I think it would come in handy using having that skill set. But yeah, th- those are good workarounds in the meantime. All right, next one. Okay. So this one is from Jeremy, our friend Jeremy. Looks like Ali, you re- you answered his. Um, so he's doing some coding. So this is a scripting question, getting some errors. And the errors he's getting is invalid self invalid cell value for field operation could not find a choice with that id or name do you remember this one ali yeah um so it's when you're trying to feed a value into update or create a record with a single select field all you need to do is just have the name like feed it an object with just the name property i think if you try and feed it an id and a name it will work um as long as it both matches, of course, um, but you you really only need the name as a string. So it's you can kind of simplify it. So my advice was just to take his for the operation field to wrap that entire line that he already has in there with a you know squiggly brackets name colon and then also change it to get value cell value as string. So that way he's got just the, the name portion of that object. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, so looking at this, I'm assuming he's working within the same table. So he's just trying to pass one one operation into another. And so that's not working. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it's the same field. It's So it's funny, I think this is actually modified from a, a piece of script that I wrote a while ago. It's, oh, really? it, it's it takes tasks that are on a templated the tasks table has a template view and regular tasks. So it basically just looks at the templates and duplicates them on the same table without the template box checked. Um, so he's just trying to duplicate a record on the same table and create, yeah, creating a new record based on a template. Yeah. There, there are certain fields that can be passed the entire cell value like normal. And some of them have to be fed a specific, format 
So like all of the number fields, you can pass whatever the cell value is because it's a simple number. And same thing with all of the date fields that are editable. Um, with single select, I think it's either name or ID. If you try to pass in the color property, it gets confused. Um, and with multi-select, it's the same thing, but an array of options. Right. Um, That's so pretty yeah. disappointing that you can't just copy one value into the next that you have to strip it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure someone somewhere has made a, a function that um, does that for you. based on whatever the original format of the field is and, you know, returns what in what a editable, um, yep. you know, version of what that field value is, is I'm sure someone's done it because um, it's routine every time. <laughs> I did that when, when scripting came out, I, there's a function out there somewhere. And I, I know it's on built on air that, uh, it will convert, you know, any value into your destination field value format. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I actually don't use it very often. I should. The pain, the pain is it's hard to reproduce code and have to copy it everywhere into every script. Yeah. So yeah. I almost wish that they would give you like the option to start like a scripting template that like whenever you add the, the app, it just starts with that. Because I constantly, yeah. every time I add the scripting app, I have to go and copy like what the template I usually use yeah. with all the functions and yeah. Or even the ability to like create a library of scripts that you could import and repurpose. So. Or, or use external libraries. That would yeah. be really cool too. Yeah. There is a workaround for that. Ontair scripts, if you're a developer looking for a way to manage all of that. Um, it's not ideal because it is external to, to Airtable, but it does help you repurpose code and use external libraries. Um, so that is a... Uh, an option out there. Cool. The other, the other thing I was thinking when I first saw this question was I was thinking he was trying to create an option that didn't exist. <clears throat> and so in that use case, if you're trying to add a new option value, you need to create it first before you assign it to a, a field value, um, which you can now do. And, but the bit, but the part is you don't, you have to like, have a function that checks to see if that value exists first and then if it doesn't create it um, and then allow you to assign it right is there a thing in the apps api an option for allow create new option so you don't have to have that function above it that checks whether that option exists first or did i make that up i feel like that's a thing somewhere in Airtable's. Coding I think model. I I don't I think that checks permissions, right? Not whether the field name exists. I'm gonna look that up because I feel like I saw that somewhere. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, but yeah, that is kind of a, a thing to be aware of if you're dealing with new records. Now the API is nice because the API will, I, I don't know, it's good or bad depending on what you need, but it will automatically create new fields if you pass in the value that doesn't already exist. So via the API, the REST API, you can create fields on the fly, but <clears throat> in scripting, you have to create them first before you use them. All right. Last one before we move on is um, I was kind of looking um, for something to watch the other night and came across. I'm a fan of um, of um, Howie, the CEO of Airtable. If you ever watched him, he, he's an impressive guy and, and I love hearing him talk about the story of Airtable. And so at Saster, this is a little bit old. It's from it's from uh, last year. But he talks about it's an interview about an hour long with Howie and, and talks about how Airtable began, what he sees as the future. And I just love hearing him tell the vision of, you know, he talks about Airtable. A lot of people wanted him to build Airtable as a vertical CRM type platform and pick a vertical like sales or whatnot. And he was adamant 
that it needed to be horizontal to really be a true platform that could that could be built on top of and he stuck to uh, his principles there and, and his belief in, in really building Airtable as a true platform that can be built on top of for any use case. And um, so it's cool to hear that story. My goal is to get Howie on our, on our podcast someday. So that's our goal. Howie, if you're listening, please come on. We'd love to have you. Or if anybody working at, uh, at Airtable could, could make that happen, that's, that's our goal. <clears throat> to get how we come on. So if you want to watch a video with that, we'll have the link in the show notes um, on Saster's website for an interview with, with Howie. All right. That includes, did you find anything Camille? We're still looking. No, I was very wrong. Okay. What I was, what I was remembering was there's an option for when you're updating the field options of a single or multi-select, there's a, boolean you can pass for allowing you to delete a choice from the field options which is not at all what i was trying to remember so you know never mind very good all right let's move on we're gonna do a spotlight on onto air it's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. it's a suite of apps that do a variety of things and in today's spotlight we're gonna give you some behind the scenes of how we run this podcast using onto air and in particular, one of the new features that's recently been released with our Ontair Actions product, which is a tool to run um, automations on top of Airtable. And we've recently integrated with uh, Google Suite and Google Docs, Google Sheets, and Google Slides. So what I want to show is how we build these um, images where we're actually inserting dynamic data into a Google slide and converting it to an image and then automatically saving it back as an attachment into Airtable. So you see these slides we have here, they have dynamic data that's coming off of um, information that we're populating into Airtable and then updating that. So it's fairly simple. Um, what you first have to do is, so we have a, a our structure is we have different segments for each show and each segment has a different um, type. So we have a variety of different segment types that we can run. And each segment type, if I look on the segment table, has a link to a single Google slide document. If I open one up, um, it will open up in Google slides and it's just a single slide that has the design that you want. And then it just has placeholder values here like this that is where um, we will update it from information from our Airtable. So um, what you have to do is you just simply set this up in our um, Airtable configuration. You just find the, 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 the URL that you're looking for um, and it can be something that you select from, from your Google Drive. I'm not gonna go through that, but I do wanna showcase some of the, the advanced functionality that you can do with it. The standard approach would just be, this is the field name. If you see here, we have vars.title. For, for our show, because each segment has different uh, attributes associated with each segment type, I actually utilize uh, the JSON um, language, which if you're a developer, if you've done any JavaScript, you're likely familiar with, with JSON. And it's pretty much a simple way to, to structure data. And I store JSON in a long text field. And there's a and the variable name is vars. And so our application is smart enough to know that if you have this period, it knows to look inside of that JSON object to get the title. And you can edit that just directly inside of um, the note field. If I go back to our segment or what I do is we actually use um, our Ontair Amplify product, which has a JSON editor that makes it very easy to do it. So if here you see um, our JSON, this is what JSON would look like, and you would just need to update these values with whatever you want. And then this information will get pushed into the slide. Or if you need a, a better approach, 
our Amplify product. You can use our JSON editor and it makes it real easy to just automatically update the values inside your JSON right there. So that functionality is all available either using um, our Ontario Actions product or in conjunction with our Amplify to make it easy to, to update your JSON values. And then um, to run it, you can, you can trigger it in many different ways. How I trigger this is off of a script. So we have a script that um, when you configure it inside of Onto Air and you go to the installation, you can just click on Airtable script and it will actually give you the code that you just simply copy to your clipboard and then paste into your script. And it will make it easy to call that function and initiate it and you pass it the record ID of any records that you want to process it. So I have a script that will run and it will automatically, um, why don't we do it? Let me make sure, got a view here. So I'll do this and run it and you'll see it will actually update all of these images with new ones. I don't know, I delete these just so they go away. And then as this runs, it will populate. The script does a lot more, but it also calls the uh, that that script code. And then you see here it's populating with new images that are P that are images generated from the Google slide specific to each segment type. And then if it if there is dynamic data, um, that will get populated in there. And oh, look at this one. There you see it got populated with data from our from that record. So great tool for doing any marketing. Um, there's a lot of tools out there that, that are similar, but this one stays within Airtable and also leverages Google Slides, which is a very powerful way to generate. Um, you can you can do brochures, um, more advanced pages, documents, anything within Google Slide. And we also have functionality for supporting Google Sheets and Google Docs as well with similar functionality. So check that out at ontoair.com. So that's our highlight. Let me get back to our auto-generated and we'll look at the first one. So timeline, Ali, I'll put your screen up. All right. All right, are we good here? You see my screen? Yep. All right. So this is just a sample base uh, copied from my family business. And this is actually something that they do use pretty much daily. And so it's a PTO request system. Um, so paid time off. Um, this was the best I could find for a good use case for timeline view, but there's tons of them, as you can imagine. Um, so right now we can look at things as a calendar view. So this is just everybody that's off this week, not in the office. Um, and the color is by location, but our new view here has some really cool options to do with look and feel. Um, so the first thing it's going to do is going to ask you, just like it would on the calendar view or the Gantt view, um, to pick two dates. So you could do, I think I, you could actually just do one date maybe to just have it. Yep. Does that let me? Yeah, cool. So you could just do one. Um, one thing to note that I did notice is you can't, it does not let you pick two dates if one has a time displayed and the other one does not. So they have to be formatted exactly the same. Like mm -hmm. they, they both have to have the time or they both can't have the time. Yep, that's, um, that's how my master calendar app is set up. I did the same thing. Excellent. I was like, whoa, weird. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Um, and then you can pick a grouping. So let's just go with location for this one. You can see it's added my grouping on the side. I can pick another field if I want. But this is the part that really intrigues me the most. And I think a lot of other people do. I'm really excited about this. So they allow you to pick different labels for the actual request name. So if, if you could do this on the calendar view, which hopefully you will be able to soon, that would be really cool. Um, so, you know, I could take 
out this entire request name and let's put in like employee initials, location, and I don't know, department title. This is like literally exactly what my original name was anyways, but just to demonstrate and you can start to like bold things or make it italic or underline. And I think that's really, really cool and kind of makes me excited for what comes in the future with this kind of functionality. And then you can color it. And just like in the calendar view, it'll color it the whole, um, the whole record will get colored. So that's a bad example, but let me um, copy colors from here while you're here mm -hmm. on the the copy view customization thing i notice obviously it makes sense because it's now a thing but label formatting and label Ooh. orientation and weekend yeah i just hope that that's a, a universal thing that they're going to add to the other view types like i get not maybe grid view but all of the other views it would be nice if you could that is so cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And record height, that's a new one too. Orientation. Yeah. So if you um, make the row height in your um, just taller. Whoa. And then change the vertical, that's what it does. Ooh. That is so cool. I hadn't played with that yet. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. If you make it too short, it'll like warn you that like it's not going to you know, make it vertical, but once you give it a little bit of space. Whoa. Yeah, that looks way better. Cool. You know, I haven't tested this. If you have a rich text field and it has formatting in the rich text field, and then you use that as your label, will the rich text carry over? Let's try it. <laughs> Well, I guess we'll have to find that particular request. Uh, let's see. It's interesting. You can, I bet mm -hmm. it doesn't work. That doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Um there okay but let's hide all the rest of those no no oh well interesting so cool. yeah, just getting the string value <laughs> yeah but either way it is pretty cool um I, I also like that you can, they've got a lot more options than like the calendar view, of course. Um, I think Gantt charts go up to five years as well, but you could look at it like the whole year, how often things are happening, um, quarter. And like Dan mentioned earlier, a lot of people wonder what the difference is, the key differences between the timeline and the Gantt chart. And the timeline, in my opinion, I'm sure a lot of people have different pros and cons to each, but I think the, the namely the biggest difference is timelines just going to be, you know, straight up start and no milestones, no dependencies, etc. But a Gantt chart will actually map out for you. Like if this person can't go on vacation until this person came home, it would show you that dependency. Um, but I don't have any of those linking relationships set up in this space. But we can just see what it would look like here. Yeah, I saw also um, people talking about getting single day timelines, right? Because you can't go mm -hmm. less than a day. You can't go less than a week. Oh, less than oh, a week. 
So you can't, yeah, if you were trying to do like a conference schedule, for instance, and show like, you know, here's what's happening at six o'clock, here's what's happening at seven, can't really do that. Hmm. Um, so the smallest time interval you can see a, a record occupy is a, is a whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best, but yeah. I agree. Yeah, I tried this with... Um, my wedding schedule because i thought that might be a good use case for it but because it was all on one day it just looked like this yeah yeah Yeah, so you can't really it can't replace like your calendar right Uh, and i do like the calendar for being able to do that one day yeah but what makes the timeline so cool in my opinion is that labeling function you could theoretically share different views with different labels if you wanted to like have it hidden on one and not on the other. Right. So that's the basic overview. Very cool. All right. Yeah. Hopefully check that out. And, um, do they update the the app? I know they added like new features. Is the app the same as the view? The app is no longer available. Oh, it's not available anymore. You can't download it anymore. If you had an existing timeline app, it's still present in your bases, but you can't add another one. So they're they're depreciating it like they did with um, the Gantt ones. So um, the notion being they're going to be continuously updating the views. Yeah. And then the apps are like, yeah, left by the way. Yeah. Cause I still feel like there's a use case to doing them as apps and having multiple within a dashboard. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, um, I'm of the opinion that they should make a view app where it just takes one of your views and puts it in a window in a dashboard. You could do that with the embed app, except yeah. you won't be able to edit records in it. So if they just make a little window, which I'm, I'm pretty sure they can do, yeah. Um, so that you can embed any view type. So before it was Gantt in timeline, but what if you wanted an editable gallery or an editable Kanban? Yeah. That would be nice to yeah. just replace them all together with a universal pick one view from your from your tables and then embed it within a dashboard. Yeah, yeah for sure. I absolutely agree. All right, let's move on. Camille, gonna have you take it away. Go through this question. All righty. Um, I picked this question because it was a sort of an interesting, it was one of those things where it was difficult to ascertain what was going wrong. So a, a person had a Airtable that they were exporting um, it out as a CSV. And when they were importing it into Microsoft Excel, every time they did it, um, all of their number and currency fields would come out as plain text. And um, Excel wasn't recognizing them as numbers, even though Airtable did. And so, um, you know, there was a, a few different like back and forth as to perhaps why it might not be outputting um, normally. And there's a lot of like, trying to convert into a formula and making sure that the formula outputs as a text. So I made my own test and added a number field, a currency, a formula that was formatted as a currency and a plain text field that was, you know, I typed in the dollar sign and the decimal and all four of those options when exported as a CSV and then opened up in Microsoft Excel, they were automatically formatted as, as, numbers. So from when I attempted the test, Excel was um, automatically recognizing all four different options. And so this reminded me that CSVs don't carry with them any sort of formatting. So it's not an Airtable thing. What Excel is doing when you hand when you hand it a CSV file from anywhere, it's guessing what the appropriate format is. So that begs the question, What does the original format look like? And I believe it all came down um, to 
a different type of currency formatting. So like the American way would be dollar sign, you know, number period for the decimal and then some more numbers if necessary. I think in this case, it was a comma as the decimal separator and that was what was throwing things off. So just a, you know, reminder that CSVs don't, don't rely on a CSV to carry with it the same sort of formatting information that you would see in Airtable because it's it's plain text. It's there's there's nothing with it except for the the value. Very true. Yeah, dealing with currency is is a pain. I know a lot of people struggle with that, but it's a good way to make it a little bit easier. Yep. Exporting it. In this in this person's case, they changed the their default decimal and thousand separators for like their I think their whole operating system. I think that's what they mean by OS. So it was like a global change. So it it shouldn't affect them with Airtable exports or any other export from now on. Nice. All right. Thank you, Camille, for that uh, audience question. Let's now continue on. We're going to do one more quick spotlight on onto air. Um, for this spotlight, I want to talk about backups. So somebody posted um, a new tool that's out there that I want to give a shout out to. It's called Solid Backup. This was found in, in uh, uh, Reddit. And so this Solid Backup, why I want to highlight it is this does not have a monthly um, fee associated with it. You download it via the either um, App Store or Microsoft Store, and you can run it whenever you want. It's a manual run that will export um, your bases and your attachments and save them um, to a location of your choice. And so that's a great tool. It's a one-time fee you purchase and you get access to it. Um, I did want to highlight if, if you're looking for automated backups, we do have a solution as well. Um, if, if you're you know, budget conscious, then check out this solid uh, backup. If you're looking for something more automated and more control over exactly what gets backed up, check out our Ontario Backups product. It allows you to back up to Dropbox, Box, or Google Drive. And you can then see a history within any of those of any changes that happen. You can save them as CSV or JSON. You, it will save all your attachments and they'll be there. So it's a great way to make your, as an insurance policy, a lot of our customers that use this have some kind of um, business continuity plan that requires them to have their data backed up outside of Airtable so that you have it's stored in a secondary location. So check out Ontario Backups and use that for your backup needs. Or also check out Solid Backup if you need something um, that could work for many people as well. So with that last spotlight, we're now going to go to our final segment. And if you watched our show last week, we did part one of a customer feedback loop application. And we're going to continue that. So just a quick review. We're building a way for, and we're using Ontair as an example. This I'm actually going to use this um, for live as, as a way to get feedback from people that are looking for feature enhancements or bug fixes or new app ideas that we could potentially build. And last time when I started to build this, I was thinking that I needed to use some automations to keep track of when people upvote. But then I realized I might want to collect a bit more information on those upvotes. So instead of it just being a single button click, I've since decided to change it to a form. And one thing that I'm going to highlight, so we have our customer feedback. This is when anybody would um, say, okay, I want, I want, to, uh, I want you to improve our, your schema app and, and add new functionality. So one person would submit our form to request that feedback. And then other people will see that um, on, on a, on a read-only view. And they'll see that somebody has already requested that improvement for the schema app. And they're going to want to upvote it. So we added a button here. And what that button will do, we have another table that will collect all of our upvotes that people make and will tie it 
to the um, feedback request that it's associated with. So first thing we had to do was create a form here. And this is our upvote feature where we could just send people directly to this field, but we want to help them out and we want to auto populate um, what feedback item they're, they're upvoting. We'll then ask for a name and email and any comments and then submit it. So what we're doing to auto populate that, if you haven't done that before, is in this button, you basically get the URL of your shared form value. And then you're going to add this, this variable to the URL. So make sure you have a question mark. And then you always have to start with prefill underscore. And then this is the name of the Airtable field. So make sure you use the name of the Airtable field, not the form display label, because that can be different. So this is associated with um, the name in, in Airtable, the actual field value. And then we're just going to concatenate with this and, and then add the record ID um, to the formula. So what that's going to do is it's going to insert the record ID of this individual record um, into the, the pre-fill for the feedback so that any upvote will automatically be tied to this entry. So that's a, that's a useful way to um, automatically link. And you can actually pre-fill any field that you want. So you see there when somebody clicks on that to perform an upvote, it's automatically tied to that feedback item. They would just enter their name and email. So if I do mine um, and add my comment and then hit submit, then if I come back here, you'll see I now this will now show that it automatically has one upvote. So you can keep track of how many upvotes you have. So it's a great way to um, easily implement this. Like I mentioned last time, there's tools out there that charge $50 a month that definitely give you more functionality. But at its core, this is kind of, you know, what I'm looking for as far as ways for people to provide feedback and then upvote that so that we can then track what people are, are most interested in seeing in, in enhancements to our product. Um, I did very similar idea with the new ideas app. So this is brand new apps that people might want us to um, implement. And so very similar, there's a form for people to submit their new idea what the name and description and then their contact info. And then once it's in the system, other people will be able to see those ideas and um, then they'll be able to upvote those um by clicking on this and i did very similar and one thing to to take into account if your field name has a space in it then you can use there's two ways you could do it you could use the plus sign or you could use um ampersand 20 which is also a url encoding for for a space but i typically just use plus that's easier and again we're passing in the record id and then this is the, a different form that's specific to new app ideas. And then when I click on that, I can upvote it and it should automatically prefill with the new app idea that, that we're upvoting. And then it works the same way as the customer feedback. So with these four tables, we can keep track of all our new app ideas, plus any existing apps, how to improve them, new features to add. And on part three, next time, what I'm going to do is build an external web page that will combine all of these together. So you'll see a way, a, the actual user interface that people will, will um, interact with on our website to, to give us that feedback and upvote them. And I might add, the other thing I'm going to add is before showing new app ideas, there's a status field. And it will need to go through a review process just to make sure there's no spam coming through. And, it, and the display will only show new app ideas that, that I or somebody on my team has approved and, and made available to go public. So we'll have a view that filters out any new ideas until they've been reviewed for both ideas and customer feedback. So join us for part three of that series and you'll see the complete version of how we implemented a customer feedback loop using just Airtable and the tools that uh, the Airtable provides without any automation, which I thought we originally might need. So 
that will be uh, fun to complete and something I'm actually going to use in, in our product to, to get feedback from customers. Cool. Yeah. Any final thoughts? We're coming to an end here. Any Anything else to add before we go? Um, a friend of the show, Kavan, has an app in the marketplace for pre-filling forms. And if you are struggling with pre-filling a form with a record ID, like Dan just showed, use pre-filled forms. Um, yeah. Or the, she has another one. She has that one as a standalone app. And then there's a formula helper, formula builder, pre-made formulas. Yeah, pre-made formulas. That's yeah. what it is. It's also one of the action types in that one. So you could use either, I believe. Either one. Yeah, very cool. Very useful and um, does all that funky coding that that uh that i showed there so you don't have to worry about that all right good to, good to see you guys again and we'll see what uh, happens next time until then please join us give us your feedback ask your questions and we'd love to see what you've built on air with your work so share with us until then we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs> Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast. <laughs>